Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening and let's get to it. Thrilled to have on today a uh, personal hero of mine. Uh, her name is Fredo Barber. She is uh, has an unbelievable story as uh, a woman rising into the ranks of upper echelon uh, entrepreneurship, building a very successful financial services company, first in California and then New York. She's had to overcome a great deal of challenges to get where she is today, but not only has she built a large business, but she is also someone who's profoundly inspiring and has helped many other entrepreneurs rise up and live the, the life and the business that they always thought that they could. So no further ado, Fredo Barber. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, Lift Your Legacy is committed to helping you live a more authentic and meaningful life. That being said, if I could ask you to share this podcast with someone that you think would get value from the message, that would be fantastic. In addition, I wanted to make you aware that along with the podcast, I do offer executive coaching. I help people who are successful and highly motivated, who want to see extreme, or not even so extreme, maybe just a small change that in their life. I want to help them get to the next level. What does that mean specifically? Creating more peace in your relationships with yourself, growing your business, clarifying your career. And even if you need a little bit of help losing some weight or getting more healthy, I do that also. I'm not for everyone, but for those people that are invested in making their life better and taking the next step, I highly recommend you consider me as a coach for you. Now, how do you get in touch? Well, you found the podcast. I wanted to tell you also my email, Jacob, my first name, Jacob at liftyourlegacy.live. Feel free, please, to reach out there or on all, any or all of my social media channels. I'd be thrilled to give you a complimentary half an hour conversation to see if we might be a good fit to work together. And now, with no further ado, I ask you to please sit back and enjoy the show. Barbara, I am thrilled to have you on the podcast today. You know, we've watched your career from afar and uh, it's so inspiring to see what you're doing with your, with your company, with your career as a, as a woman, as an entrepreneur, someone that's providing all kinds of opportunity for other people. So I'm, I'm really thrilled to jump into it today. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. For being Thanks here. for having me. Okay. So how did you get started? I, you started in, uh, in New York a little bit. Now you're back. So like, what was the trajectory? Yeah. So I actually... I'm from New York, but I didn't start my business here. I had moved to California at a very young age of 20 in search of really getting away and out of New York. That was actually the main reason. But at the time, I was in the design world, graphic design, fashion design, and wanted to get out on my own. So I was, my plan was to go to California, go to a local college there, and get my feet wet with something to do with design. So that was originally my plan. Never intended in being in finance. <laughs> so so let, let's, if I could slow you down on that one a little bit, what was it like as a 20 year old? Like, how did you have the fortitude to take this massive step? I mean, maybe tell me a little bit more about your, your background before that. I, this probably wasn't something that was, was really done so much in your community. 
Definitely not. I grew up in a Hasidic Jewish community in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, New York. For those that know that type of community, the trajectory typically for a woman is to get out of high school, go to a seminary for a year, which I did in Israel, and come back and get married and have kids. So for me, that stopped after the seminary year. I knew that I wanted to just do different things. I wanted to get out of that community. I wasn't religious. And obviously, that's a very religious community. So that was where the moving to California part came in to just have that independence and get to experience other things. So t- tell me also about that, going going off on your own, because no matter what, a lot of times people do have that sense that they want to find their destiny wherever it is. But it's so hard because in really most cultures, there's a certain expectation for what success looks like and what you're supposed to do. So how were you able to, I guess, maybe looking back now, have that fortitude to say, you know what, I don't know where I'm going, but I, I'm, not, I'm not staying here and I have to figure it out for myself. I think it was always a sense of independence that I had, but more than that, I, I had a true belief from very early on. In fact, when I look back at my graduation yearbooks, my quotable quote was, if there's a will, there's a way. And that that really has stood with me till today, because if you if you want something, you find a way how to get it. And so for me, wanting my independence was more I wanted that more than the fear of breaking away or doing something different outside of the status quo or what people would tend to think was the right thing to do. I wanted it to be my way. And so I decided that whatever it takes, I'm going to make that happen. And so that's kind of what gave me that courage and the strength to be able to do that. And I think that looking back, it was the best decision because had I not done that, then it's almost like you're living an inauthentic life, right? It might be what everyone wants you to do, but it's not what in your heart you know that you should be doing. So just to, to, to go a little bit out in the future, I know you have, you have three beautiful kids. How do you cultivate that sense of independence in your, in your children? I know your kids are young, but how do you, raise them to have the values that you hold dear, but at the same time to be able to, I'm assuming you want to encourage that, that independence for your kids. Yes. Um, It's interesting that you ask that because recently we made a very big decision regarding our children to homeschool them. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Part of that is exactly what you mentioned. I, I don't want them believing that it's just the status quo that they have to be able to do. And unfortunately, most of the schools and the education system, that is what they still teach. Go to school, get a degree, get a great job. And that's not what we believe in. Nor Now, if that's the route that they choose, I will fully support it. But I don't want them being taught that that's the right way. The right way is what they're passionate about and what they believe in. And like you said, that independence. And so we actually, it's been, I think, a month now, that we took them out of school and they're still young. You know, for, uh, my oldest is four and a half, then is a three-year-old and a 10-month-old. So the, the four and the three were in school. Uh, and we took them out and we're just gonna do our own thing. Now we don't have it all figured out yet. We're, we're in the path of that, but I, I know we made the right decision because I want them to have that independence of choice and be able to see what, what they like the most. So we're on track for it. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so so you get to California, something changes where where you wind up not designing beautiful things in fashion, but what 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 happens? So I had a plan which did not work out. My plan was let me go to 
let me, you know, I saved up a little money. Let me buy a car. Cause obviously in California, you can't get around in the subway. Like you can't here in New York. So I bought a used car, had a waiting for me when I got there. I lined up some interviews in the design industry. I figured someone's going to give me a shot. I you know, found a place to stay with a friend of a friend. Um, so I had all that lined up for about three month runway. Well, the three months is coming to a close. I still have no job. My car, since it was the first car I'd ever had, I didn't know you put oil into a used car. So I blew that up, you know, engines blown, no car. And obviously my savings are drying up and the place that I arranged to stay was no longer basically going to be available. So I came to a, a crossroads where I had to choose either I open up and just keep my options open as to what I would be able to accept as an interview to get to get a job or I have to figure something else out which would probably be moving back to New York which was not what I wanted to do so I said you know what I'm gonna to anyone that gives me an interview regardless of the industry I'm going and that's how I landed in an office within, within the business of financial services and to be honest initially I, I didn't get it I didn't understand the whole finance I didn't verbiage wise, I mean, 401k mutual fund, it just was, it wasn't even my language. But the thing I grasped right away was that this is the language of money. And if I'm going to be in business, if I'm going to do things where I'm going to make money, which was something that I wanted to do, I need to learn that. So it triggered something for me where I never knew I needed it before, but I learned I need to know about money. So that's where it started for me. And then I, I realized that the opportunity that I was given was somewhere that I would be taught not only about money for myself, but how to build a business around that need and be able to actually make money through that. So it was, it was almost like, this is amazing, right? Because I'm not only learning it, but I can actually make money teaching it to other people. So that's, that's where the road started. So I, I want to, if I could focus on that for one moment, because one of the things that I find is, so across the board with so many entrepreneurs from so many different facets of, 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 of industry that I, I have the opportunity to interact with is that there's a certain fear, I guess you can say, of the financial world, people wearing, you know, suits, people, you know, and a lot of times entrepreneurs, you know, they don't go to college and there's a certain level of, I guess you can say shame or an imposter syndrome when they start making money and having to talk to these people in suits. So yeah. how did you, how did you bridge that gap or what, or what kind of advice can you give someone that says, like you said, I appreciate that if I want to ever build a business, I have to be able to speak to people that have money. And if I ever want to build a business, I have to understand, you know, basic at least premises of finance or if I want, you know, like how did you get over that or how do you encourage a person not to let that hold them back? Yeah. I think that the biggest thing is just as, you know, think about, I compare this to the medical field because I think health is number one right? Because if you're not alive, it doesn't matter really how much money you have. But just like with health, you wouldn't go and diagnose your own illness, you would go to a doctor, right? Or even if you maybe did some research on your own, you're still going to get medical assistance. Well, it's the same thing with your finances. You're not going to go and sit there unless that's your business. Do it doing it on your own entirely, just makes no sense. Now, taking that a step further, just like with your medical situation, sometimes it makes sense to get a second opinion or maybe to do some research and understand if you are sick, what's going on, why is a certain prescription you know, prescribed to you? Well, same thing with your money. Get some help, 
then understand what is the advice, not, not just following it blindly, but actually understanding what it is. It doesn't mean you have to know everything about the financial world, but on a basic level. And that's really what my whole goal when I sit down with clients is to make sure that they understand what it is that they're doing in a very simplistic, easy to understand level, understanding how does what they're doing attach to their goals and where they're going and giving them that confidence, that empowerment that I get this. I might not be a financial guru, but I get this. I understand why I'm doing it. And that's, I think, the level that is applicable to everyone. Some people may get more technical into it, but that's all across the board. I, th- I think that that's such an important thing in the sense that in a lot of ways, the financial industry in, in America has made it a lot in a ways kind of like removed from the average person. And yeah. you feel like you need this whole thing to even understand what's going on. And if a person's able to, I guess, essentially say, I'm not stupid. And if I don't understand it, it's just that the institution hasn't lowered itself enough to speak in my language. And I just have to have that confidence in myself that someone will be able to help me understand kind of what I need. Exactly. And if whoever you're talking to cannot break it down in a way that you get, you can understand, you got to find someone else because ultimately that person's not going to be around forever to guide you. Right. I mean, so you got to at least in some way, understand it for yourself. Outstanding. Okay. So, so now you start to build a business in financial services. So tell me about that process, some of your early challenges, maybe some of the mentors, people that helped you out. What was it like building up in, in California? So when I started out, remember, I, initially my thought process was, I'm gonna just going to do this on the side. This is going to be my part-time gig while I go to college, still for fashion design. And, but at, in the meantime, I had started learning. I started getting licenses. And I remember so clearly the first day that my college was supposed to start. Um, in, so I was staying in Agoura Hills, for those that know L.A., my, I, was gonna, I was planning to go to Santa Monica College, and the office I was working out of was in Encino. So, so driving like four wise, and a half hours apart from everybody. Pretty much, yeah, yeah, like parking lots of freeways along the way. And so I'm, I'm driving from Agoura to Santa Monica, and, and crazy traffic in the morning. And you know when you're sitting there in traffic, your wheels start turning. And that's what was happening for me. I'm thinking, okay, why am I going to school? Well, I'm going to get an opportunity. And then I start thinking, well, don't I already have this opportunity? I'm really liking it. I'm learning so much. Why do I have to go to college? And then it just, my wheels just continue, continue. By the time the traffic started moving, I actually turned my car around and went to the office and never actually went to school. So amazing. yeah, that whole semester was already paid for, but I said, you know what, if, if this doesn't work out, I'll just go back. And I never did. And, and I, 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 you know, thinking about it, I would have graduated in 2018 when the market crashed and the first jobs that were, that went out the door were the design, you know, design industry and things that I would have probably been looking at getting. So I'm very fortunate that I did make that decision because by that time. I mean, what's so cool here is, and maybe just I'm repeating back what I think I'm hearing you say is that people have such a terrible fear of failure, but the reality is that if everything goes belly up, it's like, I can always fall back to that initial plan that I have. So like, why not try something if it's, I guess, I guess the idea is like, if you already have an opportunity in front of you and then you have this like potential opportunity down the road, you can always come back to that potential opportunity if the thing in front of you falls apart, but like, why Absolutely. not to go with what's in front of you now, even if it's unconventional? Yeah. And, and not only that, it's, it's also separating, you know, because some people have a vision, like I want to be a 
for me, fashion designer, right? Or you could fill in the dots for anything, but you want to be that and, and asking yourself why, like, why do you want to be that? Disconnecting from what it is that you want to do to the lifestyle that you want to have. So yes, I like design. I love creating things, but I also wanted a very great lifestyle. I wanted to have time. I knew eventually I would want to have kids and do certain things for them. I love traveling. So when I put those two together, they were not aligned. And I think that some people have this idea that, oh, this is what I want to do. But the, the lifestyle they imagine for themselves is so disconnected from that, that they're always searching for something. So I'm very fortunate that I was introduced to, hey, this is what could give you that lifestyle. And I could use design as my hobby or something that I'm passionate about on the side. But if I want that you know, amazing, incredible lifestyle, maybe doing what I thought would get me there is not the thing that I, I'm going to do for money. So let me, let me just kind of take that road if I, if I could. So it's very interesting because a lot of people do work that they love and then wind up being upset or offended or resentful of the fact that it doesn't give them the life that, they, that they're looking for. It's like, you know, uh, whatever, like people might go into being a rabbi and think, I'll be a great rabbi. And then they're like, but I can't pay the bills at the end of the right. day. And it's like, well, so you had the clarity to say basically that if you're doing something that, that the majority of the people are not making a ton of money doing, and you're going to do it for your lo- the love of it. So then like, don't expect, you know, like come up with a second, like a backup plan. On the right. flip side, it's like, if you have a desire of a life, you have to try to figure out what's going to get you in that, in that direction. Right. But, but tell me now as a creative person, again, you think finance, financial services, you think, you know, Wall Street, where your office is, it's like... I'm not seeing it, our creative artist over here. So it must be though that you found some part of yourself because you've had such success and you have built such a company, you must have found some element of creativity in yourself that gets expressed in the work that you do. Could you tell me about that? 100%. You know, it's interesting because people think that what I do is all numbers and like you said, Wall Street, you know, number crunching. And there is a certain element of that, but in today's world with technology and the, the systems that are out there, I mean, quite frankly, anyone could do that part of it, right? Now, there are certain jobs like analysts that are more behind the desk type of work that, that do require very smart people. That's not what I do. What really the premise of my business is people and it's dealing with people and you get to use a lot of creativity when it comes to that. I mean, if you think about what is the number one motivator of people is recognition. And so even, you know, this is just one small example, but even just with recognition, you could get super creative with how you can recognize people. And so um, that's something that I've been able to do a lot of is use my creativity for different things within the business. Um, Even we do a lot of events, right? Both for our associates as well as for, you know, prospective clients or, or, you know, our current clients. Well, I mean, think about preparing an event. Like, what would, what's your vision? What would it be? I mean, that's all create creativeness. Um, I have some graphic design skills, so doing marketing for all of that, that, that's inquired. And I think even on the client side, we're sitting down with someone and figuring out a financial plan, being able to think creatively really helps with that because you can actually think outside the box when, you know, as opposed to like one plus one is two, maybe how do you, how are you creative 
with someone's budget or what they can do with their savings and things like that. So I, I think it certainly helps. I don't feel like I've repressed my creativity at all. I think I've used it a lot and, and continue to use it. And I think that people who have a creative mind can do very well in this type of business or really any business because they, they think differently. So the, I guess that that's the, that's the crucial point here is that there's always going to be, you know, room for technical people and, and technology is going to help them. But, but the creative part of, of business and again, also like building a company culture and, and, and reaching clients and speaking to people's hearts and getting them enrolled in what, in what you have, that's a tremendously creative process that maybe would have been stifled had you gone in the, in the realm of, of design. Right. Tell me about maybe one of your, your big, your big failures. And, and I, I, I love about WFG, like the mentorship. So tell me about some of the people that you bought into and you started to learn from and what it was like developing a relationship with people that might be much, much bigger than you in terms of the size of their, of their business and, and everything like that and how you approach them and what you learned from them. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think, I think a lot of people don't understand the definition of mentorship for, for several reasons. One, how do you find a mentor and when do you need a mentor? A lot of people think that they need a mentor to start. Actually, the value of a mentor is once you started. And that's something that I've always, when I saw all these successful people around me, initially when I was just starting, I, it was enough that they were around me. Like I didn't need them to take their time for me or be, I just sat around. Um, one of my early mentors, John Shin, he used to always just ask people like, who's that girl just sitting there? Because that's what I would do. I would literally sit around. Um, I remember one of our other, um, you know, big leaders in the office, Jamie Villalobos, she would just sit there. And I mean, I would just sit there in her office listening in and well, that's all I would do. I didn't take their time. So now once I started implementing all the things that I was learning and doing, now I felt like, wow, I think I earned some time. And I remember actually when that started for me, was, it was my first big event that I ever went to. Um, and this was a, an event that was educational, inspirational, motivational event. And I actually, I, I went there, but I was challenged before the event by my trainer, Elon Michael, who said, you know what, if you're going to go to this event, you can't show up alone. And he said, you got to bring 25 people. And I didn't know that that was like a big deal to bring 25 people. So I was like, okay, if I, if I have to do that, then I guess I will. And so I'm there with like maybe two tables full of people. And I walk into this gala where everyone was, you know, black tie formal. And I see all these big trophies on stage. And that was the first time I'd ever been to, you know, an award ceremony or anything like that. And I just looked at it and I said, I'm going to need to figure out tonight how I get one of those next time. And I'm just going to watch very closely. And anyway, we're clapping throughout the event. And finally they are going through all the names and I'm clapping. And I'm just, you know, waiting to see who gets the number one. And suddenly I feel like my, I feel my team literally pushing me onto the stage. And I hadn't realized that they had called my name for the number one award. And I, and then it just suddenly clicked. Like I just did what everyone was telling me to do as opposed to questioning it and coming up with my own way. I, you know, they said there was a system, it was proven. I said, okay, just tell me what to do. And I went and did it. And so that was when it clicked for me, like, wow, that means everyone else in the room didn't do that. Right. Cause I didn't think I did anything special until that happened. But then when I got off the stage and I shook a lot of people's hands that I looked up to and afterwards I realized, Hey, maybe I qualify to, get some personal mentorship. And I went over to one of the guys that I really looked up to, Greg Cap, 
and I, I shook his hand. I said, hey, I'm, I'm the woman who just won the number one award. What would I need to do going forward to qualify for some time for your mentorship? And so my point in the story is a lot of times people think that mentorship is something that's expected. You know, it's really something that's earned. And I think that as you do something and earn that time, then there's more value even in what you're going to get from whoever is mentoring you because you can actually apply it right away. So that was something that really helped me move forward in my business and has throughout. I mean, the mentors have changed over the course of time. Um, now I get mentorship from Ed Milet, Rich Thali, and these are multimillionaires, you know, because that's where I want to go to next. So it's, it's a never ending journey. I think that's something that you always want to do, but when you're just starting out, just do something, get some attention so that a mentor will feel like if they give you advice, you're actually going to go out of there and do it. Which is, which is a, a fundamental and an amazing thing. It's like, it is, it, I mean, first of all, just the idea of, of, of sitting in an environment that, that is growth conducive for whatever you want to do. It's like, you know, you want to start like being a power lifter or something like that. And it's like, I can't lift weights. Well, if you sit around people that are, that are in a gym and, and, and you sure. see how people are serious, that's like, okay, well, I, I, can, I can start that. And, and, and what I'm hearing is you're saying, build yourself into the culture, then do something to, to earn that mentorship and then actually just implement the strategies that people are talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's how you sort of find success. Tell me a little bit as, as, a, as a huge fan of, of all the men that you mentioned, but especially, you know, as we're watching Ed Milet's you know, career as a, as an influencer really like take off. And, you know, it's like, he's bumping into all these other worlds that I was like following, like, oh my gosh, here he is also. What's that like for you as you watch a mentor of yours grow and get this, you know, much broader credibility than in the, in the world that he was, he was operating in probably when you start that relationship, how does it change the relationship or what are you asking him now that you weren't in the beginning? I think that, you know, it's, it's, when someone has that type of exposure, one, to me, it means they've grown, which I've certainly literally watched happen. Um, but it also means they have different perspective. So I think that that's really something that we talk about more maybe that we haven't before where it's perspective, right? So now you're dealing with people that are outside of this business model. You're getting to see all these different business models. What, how does that affect your thinking and discussing that? And, and it, it really creates more affirmations that, the way I'm doing things is, is going in the right way. And, um, and I, I appreciate that. As far as the relationship goes, a relationship is a relationship, right? It doesn't matter if you're a celebrity or not. If you have a relationship, it, it maintains. Um, there's a lot, there's a, the way I have relationships with my mentors is a lot of respect. I respect their time. I don't waste it. And I know that the way that I can thank them is just applying what it is that they're telling me to do. Does, does his like broader perspective now, is that sort of changing? I mean, I don't want to, let me, let me jump to that at the end, but yeah. tell me, so, so you built a large business in California. Yes. Somehow you're going back to New York. So tell me about that experience because in the beginning it's like, hell no, I'll never go back to New York. Right. And now you're like, I'm, I'm going back and I'm going to do something big. So wh- what was that like? Yeah. So the first year in my business, um, you know, I, my biggest challenge the first year was the fact that I was shy and getting into a people business that's a pretty big challenge. So I had to overcome that the first year. My, my first year goal was making a six figure income. And literally I, I really attached myself to the action versus the outcome because the action for me was, you know, if I had to talk to someone, then if I get a no and that's what I'm attached to, then I might not do it again. Right? So it was a very mathematical equation. I figured out if I need to earn six figures, how many people do I need to talk to, regardless of whether they say yes or no? 
went out there and did that, right? So first year, six figures. Then after that, you know, I hit my goal. So now what's the next thing? Luckily, again, I'm around mentors. So stretching my vision, giving me what's next, what's next. And I realized I have to create some, build some leaders, right? I have to have people that are also making six figures with me. And so I went out, went after that and did that. And then um, in between, I would go back to New York just to visit. And I realized there was really nothing out there in, in our organization. And so it would kind of started thinking in my mind, like, what if I went there? And so after a few years, I started missing the New York culture, uh, fast paced people everywhere, you know, very different than LA. And so I, I started thinking about what if I go start the East Coast expansion? And so after pretty much building several leaders out in California, I did exactly that. I picked myself up, moved out there. I didn't have a team there. I didn't have anything. So just started again from scratch and went out there and, and started building a business over again while my California team um, still, you know, continued growing out there. What was the biggest challenge about coming back to New York? Because I know that a lot of times, I mean, is it like that you had just sort of graduated from the, the, the pressure from your culture and in the past? Like what, I'm curious, like how, as you found your footing and you became more of who you are becoming, how did you relate to your family, to your culture in Crown Heights, and also just the experience of being in New York? And obviously, like, again, the New York fi finance world is like world class, like literally. So it's like, how did, you, how did you carve a piece of that pie for yourself? So when I first started out, it, it was really a lot of testing the waters. In fact, part of my business plan was I, I didn't have to have anything settled until six months. Like, that was the time I gave myself. Uh, we did it and we ended up doing it in four months, but I had savings. I had, you know, I was in a position where, all right, this is the time I'm giving myself. So it was a lot of testing the waters. The first thing I tried was I said, you know, I really value the education that I give people. Let me try to bring that back to the community. And when I say try, because that's exactly what I did. I, I created an event. I had a rabbi come and then I had one of my mentors, Jeff Levitan, who you know, Levitan is, sounds like a Jewish name. He was also a guest speaker and we did it in like a community center and we had 70 people showed up, which for the numbers of how many were invited was like, it blew past any of the ratios that we would typically do. When it came to results of what came out of that, it blew past the ratios the other way right? As in nobody did anything or maybe only a couple of people. So, I, you know, that gave me an idea that it reminded me of where I come from, that people are curious, but also very skeptical. And that wasn't necessarily the market that I wanted to be in. Now, that's also human nature, right? People are curious and skeptical, but I think that I provided enough value at that meeting that people would at least take another step to find out more, which didn't happen. So, I kind of left that on the side, said, okay, that was a testing of waters. Now next step. So I, I just every single day went out, I set up shop in the Marriott Marquis on 42nd street on the eighth floor. They have a lounge. That was my office for about four months. Every, every morning I went there, I made calls, I prospected people and I started getting into communities. So chamber of commerce, you know, any, any networking group that I can find. Um, and I started just talking to people and, once that starts, you get referrals. And then I started opening an office and it, it just was a, a tr trickle effect from there. 
Um, but it was certainly very challenging because the financial landscape is different as well. And in our industry, even the products and services not only are different, but are much more limited because of the rules of New York. So I had to adjust on that end. I, I helped the company get some more products on the platform for New York. So there was a lot of development on the, even just on the business development side, but it was all a process and I love doing it. It was a challenge that I was up for and kind of like I knew what I was getting into, but you still don't know. <laughs> well, I, you know, one of the things that I, I love that you just, you just said is that a lot of times business owners or entrepreneurs see the company as the asset and not themselves. And so yeah. it's like, if they, if their company would, again, I'm just thinking it's like, well, you know, you have a business in California. So it's like, you're not going to set up like starting from scratch in New York, but if you realize that you're the asset and the person that built the company there, she's right here and she'll just, you know, set up and have the flexibility to start with nothing. It's like, yeah, like you'll just build it again. And, and anywhere you go, it's like, you're the one that's going with you, you know, obviously for better or for worse, but, but that's a tremendous idea. So tell me a little bit, if you could, it, there's a lot of pressure and, and I, I, you know, especially from the, the, the Jewish world that you came from, but I think just in general, as a woman, as a, as a mom, as a wife, to have both this very big goal you don't seem like you're slowing down at all. You're not like retiring and you're like, okay, great. I'm just going to go do my thing. It's like, I feel like the more, the more you, the more you see what you can do, just the broader your vision gets. So how do you strike that balance where you have both this, this quote domestic role and also have this massively undomestic role? Like how do you, how do you walk that line? I think that, you know, it's, it's having a very tight management schedule, time management tight time management schedule and and also at the same time being flexible because as per, you know I'm a perfectionist by nature but I've also realized like when you start dealing with kids or people for that matter there's some flexibility that always has to get built into it and then within that is having standards so for my time in business as well as for my time at home I have certain standards so for example if I'm with my kids and it's scheduled time with my kids, I'm not going to do business. I'm not going to do business calls. I'm not going to be meeting with people. And then during business time, I'm very focused on whatever I'm doing, but I don't allow distractions that don't meet a certain standard. So for example, if someone just walks into my office and wants to have a chat about pretty much nothing is not going to happen right now. That's what I mean by having a standard. So how you manage your time with a standard in, in both areas, in both at home as well as at the workplace, really makes a difference because now every moment that you spend is very purposeful, both on the domestic, domestic side as well as on the business side. And quite frankly, you get a lot more done, right? Because we all do have the same 24 hours in a day and somehow some people ma manage to fill it a lot, more, lot differently than others. So once you have this time management system in place, basically you can lose yourself in both of the things that you're doing without worrying about getting lost entirely because you know that at a certain time, boom, you'll click into the other thing that really matters to you. Exactly. Fantastic. So if you could maybe just kind of two like cl closing questions. One is what fundamental advice do you think I have a lot of men entrepreneurs on my show. I think it's unique that, that I have a, 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 a you know, successful woman entrepreneur. Is there any specific advice you would give a, a, a woman or someone that's looking to build their dreams? That's, that, that we'll, start, we'll start with that one. I have a follow-up yeah. after that. 
I think that, you know, and this goes for both men and women, but I think naturally this might be a little more challenging for women is building your confidence. At the end of the day, no one wants, I shouldn't say no one, but it's, it's, if you're trying to attract people to you, which in business, that's what it's all about. You know, you can call it sales, you can call it marketing, but it's attraction, right? You need people to be attracted to you. You need to be confident in yourself, number one, and also then in what you're doing. So being confident in yourself starts from personal development, right? It starts from keeping your own promises to yourself. It starts from being diligent about your focus. Then it's being confident in what you're doing. And that has to do with skill. So practicing your skill, whatever your, whatever your business is, if it, if it requires you to public speak, well, get good at that. You know, if, you, if it requires you to crunch numbers, then get good at that. Whatever you need to be able to improve that skill would help you be a better entrepreneur. And I think that, especially for women, many times you, you know, we get pulled in different directions. And it's important that if you make a decision you got to do some things for yourself. You know, women tend to take on a lot of responsibilities, whether it's their children, which they have, or maybe a, an older parent and that's all great and well, but what do you, what have you done for you lately? And that's something that is important also self-renewal and giving time for yourself so that you can reflect on what it is that you actually have to work on. I, I love that so much. And I could never say something like that. I was thinking I was gonna make a whole podcast on that, but, but it's, it's amazing you said, because I see it all over, you know, social media, people are talking about, maybe I should just be happy with, you know, the diapers I'm changing. And again, if a person that's, if that speaks to their heart, then like, that's fantastic. But also right. it's like, what's going to nurture you? You do so much for so many other people, but like, you probably also want something out of your life. Exactly. Amazing. Final, final question for you before I ask you how people can find you and, and the work that you're doing is what are your, you, you've had an amazing career. It's obviously your life is, has in a way manifested itself in, in the way that you sort of saw it as a child. In another respect, it's completely different. Let's say the next five to 10 years, like what are you seeing as exciting, a passion for you, what you want to build with your, your business, with, with your company, or just on the broader, on the broader scheme of things? So my, my right now, what I'm developing is I'm looking for 10 people that are aligned with my vision, my standards, the goals that we have together that are going to build a business and earn a seven figure plus income. That is really the number one focus is, and I hope to have a hand in that, right. In some way being influenced or, you know, helping them in some way to be able to do that. And, and within my organization. And uh, that's what we plan to do in the next three to five years. I think beyond that is just duplicating that even more because I think that when people have financial freedom, they can really have anything that they want. Outstanding. Okay, Fredo, thank you so much. How do people find out more about you and the work that you're doing? Yes, you can reach me on all social media platforms at Fredo Barber, as well as on my website, FredoBarber.com. Outstanding. Thank you so much for the time. Thanks for having me. Take care. There you have it, folks. Another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, We have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.